What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to Fight Back Friday. Uh, Fridays, we try to highlight people who are fighting back or have a plan to fight back encouraging others to stand up in a peaceful way and uh, just speak the truth. Today, um, Floyd Brown is on. He is the author of Counterpunch. He's the Western Journal founder. He is also, I know him from uh, my days with KVI. He was at KVI in Seattle. Um, I don't know how he survived in Seattle. I wonder if he's still there. Um, but he's also the uh, the guy who put together Citizens United. Yeah, yeah, you know, those people who believe in free speech. <laughs> what whack jobs they are, huh? Floyd Brown joins us in 60 seconds. All right, let's say you got something to prove. You want the world to know just how tough you are. Well, my pillows, uh, Giza Dream Sheets are probably not for you. Okay, I just did a podcast, comes out tomorrow with Tim Kennedy. I don't know. I think the guy could sleep on sandpaper and be happy. But I am not one of those people. No, I don't like to sprinkle rocks or, well, sometimes there's, you know, crumbs of Oreo cookies that are on my bed and it kind of feels like rock because my skin is so sensitive. Anyway, you really want great sheets? The MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and they're on sale now. You can get them as low as $29.98. Come in multiple colors, styles, sizes. It's time to upgrade your sleep. Get a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and check out the sale on Giza Dream Sheets. When you click on that square, you will also find deals on other MyPillow products, only around for a short time. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117. 800-966-3117. Great limited-time specials available now at MyPillow.com. Floyd, my man, how are you, sir? I'm great. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you. So um, we are at a time now where um, I think this is the, you know, right. Reagan said it. Now is the time for choosing. This is the time where you have to decide what side you're on. Uh, and I think there are many strange bedfellows that can be made at this point uh, because people are standing up from all walks of life. Do you agree with that? Uh, oh, absolutely. That's why I actually, my, my book is called Counterpunch, but the subtitle is An Unlikely Alliance of Americans Fighting Back for Faith and Freedom. And I think you are absolutely correct. America is at an inflection point, and we've been under such a barrage of what I call false narratives for so long now And, uh, I mean, you deal with all of these false narratives from climate change is is caused by man to Trump was a Russian spy, (laughs) Biden laptop was Russian propaganda. I mean, we get all these false narratives and false narratives. Their purpose is to make people feel alone, isolated and like they can't do anything. Correct. And, And so. You know, I, I, I travel the country and speak at conferences, and I kept hearing from everyone, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So I thought I would put together a book that explained 
to them that they have the most power right around them. It's a lesson that I learned a, a long time ago. We underestimate the power that we have to influence the people that are right around us. Um, you know, local action can have national impact. And so uh, it, it's really a time for people to get engaged. It's time for people to start building community again. You know, they put us on house arrest. They locked us all down. Mm -hmm. They tried to do everything they could to break the bonds of community. And we've got to go the extra step and start rebuilding those bonds of so community. How do you do that when sometimes your family just can't even get together? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I suggest is people get to know their neighbors again. Most people live on a street. Most people, you know, live in an apartment building. There's somewhere where there's neighbors nearby, but Americans don't know them anymore. And so you can do things as simple as have coffee with them. And then I talk about uh, several examples of groups and organizations that have organically grown up as a result of somebody just stepping out. I talk about a guy named Basil Fermanos, who's in North Phoenix. Uh, Basil was upset with mask mandates, and so he texted 50 of his friends to come to a coffee shop and meet him, and 250 people showed up. Wow. And so that group, um, you know, was launched, and they still meet. They meet Mondays, every other Monday, and they, they've been involved in school board races, local legislative races. They are making change right where they live. And that's how we fix the country. You know, I, nobody's going to ride in on their white horse into Washington, D.C. and fix everything. That's not no. the solution to our problems. No. People, people have to occupy right where they're at. There is um, there's something also that I think is, for me at least, the most important thing. Jason Whitlock yesterday said, stop calling me a conservative. I'm a Christian. I'm not necessarily conservative. And I heard a, a great uh, priest talk about this recently on a YouTube video I watched where he said, I'm tired of hearing about a liberal priest or a conservative priest. He said, there's neither of those. If you're for gay marriage, you're not a liberal priest. You're not a priest. If you are for, um, you know, transgenderism and the mutilation of our children, you're not a liberal priest, and I'm not a conservative priest for standing against it. You're just not a priest. And I think re-establishing um, ourselves with our faith, and I don't know how many people really have that deep of faith anymore, um, but re-establishing that, no, there are, I have two citizenships, one to the United States, and my, my first citizenship is to the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to break those laws in either of those citizenships. I can't do it and, and be a good citizen. No, you, you are exactly right. This is a spiritual warfare. You know, we, we, we all know that uh, Tucker Carlson just recently was released at Fox. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the speculation is we don't know everything that happened is that he was starting to talk in terms of spiritual warfare. Yeah. 
and 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 he 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 was calling out people as evil. He gave this uh, speech to the Heritage Foundation uh-huh. on their fiftieth anniversary, where uh, you know he 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 said things that offend the elites, and so. Uh, you know, I think that that's a big part of why he might have been removed. So you're right. You've, you've, it is a spiritual battle. And, um, you know, I encourage people to get back into Scripture. I think one of the ways that you can discern these false narratives is if you're putting good things into your mind. And the Bible and the Scripture is full of wisdom. So, you know, turn off social media, turn off Twitter, turn off Facebook and spend some time in the Bible. And I think it will really change your perspective about things. I think it's really hard. You know, if people went and swore off, uh, you know, movies, TV shows that are on Netflix, people don't realize how far we have drifted just in the last 10 years. You can't watch anything anymore that you know you would have you would have thought was good and wholesome 15 years ago they they don't exist and what's good and wholesome now is still filthy yeah well that's that's one of the good things about having these streaming sites is we can watch old programs i mean i mean my my wife and i we watch murder she wrote which came out during the reagan era right right (laughs) so but you know uh uh, Alinsky, who was the most powerful influence on the left and wrote Rules for Radicals, he was a great tactical strategist. And what he helped the left do was maximize their influence, but he did it by ridicule and ripping people apart. His right. strategies are incredibly divisive. And uh, in fact, you know, uh, he, he dedicated his book to Lucifer, the most divisive person in the spiritual realm. And and I actually encourage people to do the opposite of Olinsky, and that is start to love the people around you, start to love your neighbors, start to re-engage with your neighbors, and then find people like you that you want to work with, and then get involved in your school board race, get involved in some of these key things, because you know, we still have the Bill of Rights. We still have freedom of the press. And if we don't exercise these freedoms, we will lose them. I think that's one of the most important things that you have said is start to uh, love your enemy. I, I, I gave a speech uh, a couple of nights ago in Virginia, and uh, I said, you know, there, hatred comes from darkness and ignorance. And uh, there is a hatred that is spreading all over the world that is just evil. And if we really are disciples of Christ, we have to love our enemies and we have to start looking at some of these people. Some of these people know exactly what they're engaged in. I think a lot of other people don't really know and they've just kind of they've just kind of ease their way into it and they don't realize that they're up to their neck in evil now and the lord wants all of his kids back not just us not one side or the other he wants all of them to return to him uh and you're never going to accomplish that with hatred and anger and violence never 
No. I mean, his message is a message of love, of radical love. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, we had the Kiwanis Club, we had the Lions Club, we had the Rotary Club. We had all of these civic organizations that were, were building the local community. And, you know, those organizations now are all in really tough shape. They're smaller after COVID. A lot of people didn't come back. Uh, they're, they're, a lot of them will never re-engage. We have to rebuild community and start with our neighborhoods and start with our neighbors. And we can take back the country literally town by town, city by city, county by county. There's over 3,000 counties in America that are, uh, in essence, red counties. And a lot of times uh, they aren't being run that way because people just aren't active in their communities. And politics encourages and invites and attracts some of the worst elements. Mm. Uh, Floyd, thank you so much. The name of the book that he's just put out is Counterpunch. Uh, his name is Floyd Brown. You can get Counterpunch wherever you get your books. And you can also find uh, much of his work at westernjournal.com, westernjournal.com. Floyd, thank you so much. Great to be with you. You bet. Bye-bye. Let me tell you about Relief Factor. Uh, when was it that you discovered you couldn't do that thing that you loved anymore? What, what was that thing? My thing was writing uh, by hand uh, and painting. Couldn't do them. And that just just killed me. It was too painful to use my hands for any amount of time. And I mean, like three minutes, uh, my hands would just cramp up and it was horrible. I, I couldn't live that way. And I lived that way for several years. I tried everything. I didn't try relief factor because I thought there's no way that's going to work for me. I mean, it's advertised on the radio. Come on, man. Uh I don't know why I feel that way. I use the products I advertise for. Um, so I'm listening to boneheads on the radio and they're like, God, it's a really factor. I didn't think it would work mainly because it reduces inflammation. Uh, and I've had ibuprofen. I've even had the hard stuff. Oh man, I was in recovery after ibuprofen 800 for a while. Um, it does nothing for me. For some reason, relief factor works I have my hands back. I can paint. I can write again. It's relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Just try it for the three-week quick start. 1995-1800, the number four relief. 800-4-RELIEF. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10-second station ID. Stu, in the, uh, in the uh, newsletter today, get our e- email newsletter. Go and go to uh, glenbeck.com and you can sign up for it. It's free and it gives you about 60 or 70 stories every day that we feel are the most important. I'm not getting to many of them today because it's Friday, man. I don't, I don't want to think. I really don't want to think. And I don't think you do either. Um, but there was a story in there about a new study on climate change. That is showing, uh oh, the models are all wrong. Yeah, and this has been a real problem for the climate change industry over the past uh, few years, which is their models seem to be running a little hot. Little not, yeah, they're not really predicting where the temperatures would go. Mm. If you 
you know, of course, now we know where temperatures have gone over the past 20, 30 years. Of course, the older models predicted much more warming. And the answer to that is, of course, we've improved our technology. We now know better. Uh, yeah, sure, we were wrong before, but now we're right. And you should trust us now, even though our history shows you, you we were wrong last time. That's always an interesting proposal that we're supposed to accept, but let's go along with it here for a moment. The newest study out on this is showing about half the amount of warming as many of the other studies have shown huh. when it comes to what is actually going on. It's about, you know, most of these uh, studies have showed about 0.2 degrees Celsius increase per decade. And tell tell that to the next person who tells you, I, I remember when I was a kid, it was never this hot. And now it really is. Is that right? You're really noticing the 0.2 degrees Celsius per decade? Is that that noticeable to you? In 50 years, that equals one degree. You're really noticing that, are you? That's just an annoying thing that people do. But anyway, the newest <laughs> one is showing about half that, about 0.12 degrees uh, Celsius. So we've already cut decade. it in half. There you go. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. A lot of this has to do with the positive versus negative feedback loops that they put inside of these climate models. And it's, you know, it's an, an annoying, you know, long conversation. But like if you think about a like a rounded bowl, right? Mm -hmm. And if you were to drop a ping pong ball into the bowl, it would go up and down and it would kind of eventually settle at the bottom, mm -hmm. right? That's right. a negative feedback loop. Okay. It's going to take whatever's going on and decrease it over time until it stops. A positive feedback loop is if you took that same rounded bowl and turned it upside down and you dropped the ping pong ball on the top. Well, it would just run rampant, right? It would just go off the table and keep Correct. rolling. And so what climate theorists always talk about is are these positive feedback loops. The things that are happening wouldn't do what they say these catastrophic consequences are. It wouldn't by themselves do that. But what they say is... Well, one thing will lead to another, which will lead to another, which will lead to another. They will build off each other and make everything worse and create a positive feedback loop that eventually ends with all of us dying and society I mean, collapsing. That is, that is what we have done with our foreign policy over the last 100 years. Well, if we do this, then they'll do that, and then this will happen, and that will happen, and it'll all be great. Right. And none of that happens. Almost never can you predict these things. This is why back in the turn of the last century, 1800, 1899 to 1900, 1901, the big fundamental environmental concern was how were they going to get rid of all of the horse dung from Manhattan? Because Correct. there were so many, they were growing so fast and everyone was on horses and there's horse dung everywhere. What do we do with it all? It's going to pile up and it's going to envelop the city. Now, in reality, I do admit it did eventually get covered in feces, but it was human feces. <laughs> and, and it was because of the progressives. <laughs> hey, a totally different problem. So there is a, it, there's another story in show prep that comes from the World Economic Forum today. It's about Agenda 2030. Oh, yeah, it's back. Listen to this. In the times of fraying multilateralism, Agenda 2030 represents the rare moment of unanimity achieved by the international community which in 2015 agreed to cement the three pillars of sustainable development. I bet I could get more people to tell me what the three branches of government are on the street than the, the three pillars of sustainable development. Okay. And remember, this is a, this is a global thing that we all got together and did economic advancement, social progress and environmental st uh, sustainability. 
the 17 sustainable development goals of the targets of the 2030 uh, agenda represent a significant improvement over the preceding eight millennial development goals and their comprehensive scope. Civil society organizations played a key role in putting forward the ideas for SDGs. Of, I just said what an SDG is, and I'll bet you most people would go, what is an SDG? Sustainable Development Goal. Anyway, um, uh, they were able to win significant people-centered commitments, uh, blah, blah, blah. Beyond their role in the SDGs, it established that civil society organizations contribute to the national life and sustainable development. It helps foster inclusive policymaking that keeps the needs of the vulnerable and marginable. It can, this article continues to talk about how we all did this together. I contend no one that I know and no one that you know or will ever know put all of this together. We weren't even consulted. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, I don't know about you, but I value my sanity and my sanity is connected to my wife's sanity. And when we sell a home and uh, they continue to say, oh, we've got somebody coming over for a showing. Uh, just make sure the house is clean. Even if they say, don't worry, they don't care if you live in a pigsty. They just want to look at the house because they're thinking about burning it down to the ground. My wife will say to me, we've got to clean. We've got we have to spend the day cleaning the house. And you're like. They're going to burn it down. We cannot show the house and have it with a speck of dust in it. Oh, my gosh. Please, somebody sell my house quickly. Okay. Do you feel this way? We can find the right real estate agent that can help you sell your house quickly and for the most amount of money. And if they'll give you an honest viewpoint of you got to do this and this and this to your house if you want to sell it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there. We'll get you the, the people we think are the best in your area to find the right house, to sell your house, and win on both sides of the economic ladder. If you're upset, Tucker has been canceled. We had a great show for you at 8 p.m. Eastern on Blaze TV. Stu does America at blazetv.com slash to say that. Question everything is the code. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Now, I want to talk to you about uh, your elections. You may have elections going on. Texas, I know, has elections going on right now through May 2nd. Election day is Saturday, May 6th. Um, but this is these are the ones where they get you because they're very organized. And some of these elections, many of them school board elections, they can be won by three votes because seven people have voted. Okay. Nobody goes out and votes. You need to call your friends and organize your neighborhood. Literally, if you put 10 people in a car, you could be the difference on a winning and losing election in an election like what's happening right now. Um, I want to introduce you to uh, Stephanie Alod. She is, and now don't hold this against her, okay? Yes, she's a California native, but she got to Texas as soon as she could. 
Stephanie, welcome to the program. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Um, so you moved from California. You moved to Frisco, which is a really nice uh, part of North Texas, and it has great schools. And you got into the schools, and then you started paying attention to what was being said because of COVID, and what happened? Right. Well, the first few years were great. We've been here 10 years, and then I started to notice some things even before COVID, but then after COVID, definitely. And so I went to a school board meeting just about two years ago, actually, and I just did not like what I saw at all. I felt like the parents who had taken time to be there were, were very disrespected. In fact, the school board president at the time said, this is our meaning, meaning theirs and not ours. And it just didn't sit right with me. So to make a very long story short, I ended up running for school board last year and I won. So I have been a school board member um, for about a year now. And you found out, and we have the tape, we're going to play it here in a second. You found out that other members of the school board were meeting without you to try to figure out how to pretty much silence you. Yes, I did find that out recently. And, uh, well, let's, let's play. Do you want to set this audio up? Well, yeah, from what I understand, I can, sure. So, so what happened last fall was that myself and another trustee put an item on the agenda related to bathroom policy and so that it took a while and now I know why it took a while. Once you hear what you're about to play, it'll probably make more sense, but it took a while and I didn't really think that much about the fact that it took a while, even though we have procedures as part of the board in terms of how long things should take before they get on an agenda when trustees request it. But anyways, apparently there was um, some constituents of our community who were angry about the policy. So our three board officers met with them to address their concerns and um, they were concerned that we had just passed a policy saying, you know, boys use boys restrooms, girls use girls restrooms. They were upset about that. And so this, this audio was the three board officers um, kind of responding to those concerns. Now listen to this. Go ahead. I am so tired of having, because every time it's on a board meeting, every time it's on an agenda, the entire tape crowd now can come and speak about how terrible they think our transgender students are. Stop for a second. This this woman is saying, I am so sick and tired of it. Every time we talk about bathrooms, then the entire hate crowd comes in and we have to listen to how much they hate it. Go ahead. I mean, Marvin and Stephanie are going to keep on, but every time they're going to ruin every meeting this year. Every meeting. And I have mechanisms in place that I can push and I can use our subcommittee structure. And they wanted to vote on this in July. It's November. That's how long I've been able to push this out. And so, like, I have mechanisms by which I can do that. And I can also put it on any agenda. They want it on the regular board meetings because it's a show. If they ask for anything transgender policy going forward, it will be on a special meeting in the middle of the day that no one goes to. The only way we can combat what they're doing is to make sure our board stays in the majority of good guys. That's all we can do because the state... But if they change the state law, they won't. They, they will try, but they are they have never been successful in passing a bathroom policy at the state level. Because we need to be in the audience listening to what their narrative is so that we have a defense mechanism. That is incredible. 
in case you need a recap, some of the things discussed there was we're tired of the people coming to the meetings and wrecking the meetings. And Stephanie and and uh, and her uh, fellow board member, they keep coming and they're going to wreck all of these meetings. Uh, so uh, then the next one says, oh, well, I I can keep it off the agenda. They wanted to do this in July. It's now November. And I have mechanisms that will keep it off the agenda. And the other one says, and if they want to put it on the agenda, we can put it on in the day so nobody comes and uh, we won't have to deal with all of that. Uh, what was the last thing uh, in there? There was oh, so we, much. We have to have uh, we have to make sure that the good guys remain in control of the board. The question is, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? When you heard this, uh, Stephanie, what did what did you think? I mean, I was shocked. I, I really was because, you know, I understand that there's there's a divide within the board and that, you know, the existing board members didn't didn't want me on it. I, I certainly understand that. That was made very clear in last year's election. But, you know, I, I was surprised that that anyone went to this level to do this. And it was very concerning to me to call, you know, to, to characterize the parents as being a hate crowd. These are parents who came and spent their time and spoke, in most cases, pretty eloquently about their concern about this bathroom practice that the district had had, and quite honestly, is still practicing. So, you know, they're allowed to come and say that, and that doesn't make them a hate crowd. They were concerned. There were fathers coming concerned about their daughters. There were, you know, there was a mom who came who her son had been impacted by this whole issue of having a, a biological girl in the boys restroom and then you know when this mother complained to the school about that they said well your son can use the nurse's restroom if he's uncomfortable and she came and spoke I didn't that's not a hater that's just you know someone who disagrees and it you know one of the things that concerns me the most about this whole environment that we live in especially as it relates to school board elections is if you don't agree with the establishment, then you're, you know, you're a hate crowd member, right? And, and you're anti-public education. It's like, it's so ridiculous. It's so intellectually dishonest. It's like, we can disagree and that's okay. But this, this name calling and this rhetoric is just, it's escalated in Frisco this year because of the board election. And it's really sad to see. So um, first of all, are there people that you've talked to or you're getting some other people like you on that are running now for the board there are two people that i am supporting in this election i I sort of characterize it as establishment candidates versus independent voices that's how i characterize it Mm -hmm. um and so there are um i've supported reed bond and susan kershaw we have two seats up for election this year and i have publicly endorsed and supported them are they running as are they republicans or democrats or independents they are. They're they're conservative. Uh, okay, for sure. okay. They are. And they've gotten all the endorsements from all the conservative groups and okay. a lot of the Republican politicians. But because they're nonpartisan races, it doesn't have the any kind of party affiliation on yeah, the ballot. Yeah. Right. Um, and and how do you are there any I mean, because they're so they hide. They hide. We're open with our view. Look, if you want bathrooms to be shared by you know both sexes or all 99 i'm not the candidate for you they're not 
open and honest about it. So how do you know that you're you're standing with somebody that is good? Well, um, you know, you just ask questions. And I think a lot of these these grassroots organizations, um, you know, do the vetting. And so that's what I tell people is go look at their questionnaires, go look at who they're endorsing. And you can see some of that. There's also forums that have been online. Um, in fact, I was interested to find out that the Frisco Chamber of Commerce, when they did their forum, that's kind of the biggest forum that we have here. They asked, you know, do you support getting out of the Texas Association of School Boards or not? Because another district recently did. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a question. That's a good one. And people said yes or no, right? Yeah. And so you could see where people fell. The other thing I'll say, just to kind of get back to the video for a quick second, is that one of our state representatives um, did request that the TEA, the Texas Education Agency, do an investigation into this to see if there was any kind of wrongdoing. And so it is my understanding that that investigation has occurred. So there's been quite a bit of backlash to it, including from several of our elected officials who've gotten involved and are trying to do something to, to just stop this stuff. So the uh, Texas Association of School Boards, um, you know, we we know about the school board um, associations nationally uh, and the Texas teachers unions. Uh, they were instrumental in killing uh, school choice here in Texas, which is incredible to me. We have so many spineless Republicans. Um what role do those guys play in school boards and and uh, races like this? So the Texas Association of School Boards, um, all trustees become a member once they get sworn in. If if your district is a member of of that organization, and all districts in Texas except for one are, and that that would be Carroll ISD in Southlake, who recently just voted to get out of the Texas Association mm-hmm. of School Boards. So they are in a process of exiting. Good. Um, but basically, they provide training for trustees. They provide legal and, and others as well, employees, things like that. Um, they also provide legal services for districts and insurance services and things like that. But they're on the wrong. You know, I have, they're on the wrong side, are they not? Are they not also I mean, pushing? Go ahead. Yeah, I've seen them push quite a bit of of progressive ideology. Um, I was not a fan of that organization when I was running because I had heard about this concept called Team of Eight. Yeah. And that is basically where you have seven trustees and a superintendent and you're supposed to be a team. And I thought, well, that that just seemed counterintuitive to me on the face of it because I thought, well, aren't the trustees supposed to be there to, you know, oversee the district? And isn't the superintendent supposed to report to the board? and isn't the board supposed to be seven independent voices trying to make decisions for the community? So the whole team of eight concept, I ran a platform kind of against that. In fact, I think I've specifically said I will not be team of eight. I will be an independent voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my thoughts before I, before I got on. And then, you know, when I got on the board, I had the chance last fall to go to a, a convention that was put on by the Texas association of school boards. And they brought in ACLU attorneys to talk to the trustees about some of these controversial issues. And I was shocked. I mean, it's one thing to present both sides of an issue, but I didn't see any Heritage Foundation speakers or you know, <laughs> anything like that. Right. 
Exactly I, I right. I saw the ACLU, and right. I was I was quite honestly horrified because it was you know you have to allow pornographic books in libraries. Just make sure they're age appropriate, which meant to me I guess high school's okay, but maybe some books aren't okay for elementary school. But they basically told us there's no book you know that you should take out of the library, and some of these books are so explicit. And then oh, they I also, know. you know, said, you know, boys should be in girls' locker rooms if that's yeah. what they want. And, I mean, I heard them say it, and I, I couldn't get my mind around the fact that that's what they were doing. And so there's a lot of that stuff that that goes on in the conventions, but even just a lot of the rhetoric from, you know, this organization. They basically said that when you, you know, when you become a trustee, you serve a district and not the voters. And I thought, well, that's, you know... Yeah. What the heck is that? So, so, so I have not been a fan of this organization. Uh, Stephanie, thank you. You are running again already? No, I am not running. You're not running. Okay, not good. Running. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty I didn't fun. think so, but um, no. yeah. Uh, I have a three-year term, so okay. I'll be in until 2025 at least. Okay. And But I'm supporting Reed Bond and Susan Kershaw okay. to be independent voices for Frisco ISD. I just wanted to talk to you. Thank you, Stephanie. I just wanted to talk to you for uh, the one reason that these are the elections that count. They will organize in these. The average American doesn't even go. And literally, they can be won by one vote, six votes. You can change everything if you just... Grab five people, put them in your car, go and go and vote. Do your homework. But if you have these elections going now locally, you've got to vote. All right. Back in just a second. Clock is ticking. What clock is that, you ask? The one that's counting down to the moment when you're going to need a car repair done, you know, and your warranty is expired. Oh, just because the warranty is expired doesn't mean my car's going to wait a minute. What? Yeah, it always happens. Sure, it's a long way off, or maybe maybe it's right around the corner. I don't know. But CarShield offers affordable protection that will fit every single budget and covers more parts than ever before. And you're going to want them when it's those costly repairs time to show up in your life. Also, count on CarShield to take care of you when your uh, car breaks down on the side of the road. Every protection plan continue, uh, uh, includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. So lock in your price today. It's uh, CarShield, carshield.com. Get coverage like I have, and you'll save 20% on your plan today at 800-227-6100. 800-227-6100 or carshield.com slash Beck. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. CNN. CNN is running Sunday night at 8 p.m. The rain begins. Charles and Camilla. Ooh. And tens of people will be watching. Well, don't overstate Okay, it. well, I just, it was kind of a dramatic moment. I wanted to, you know, maybe beef, beef it up just a little bit. When is this glorious? Uh, when is the coronation? Coronation. Well, I obviously, think. it was it's May 6, 2023. Okay. So we got, what are you doing May 6th? 
2023. Uh, I, of course, will be watching the coronation of King Charles because I knew it was happening before 10 seconds ago. Yeah. Completely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. You remember, I mean, when I was growing up, we did watch, you know, Prince Charles and Lady Di. You'd stay up. I stayed up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch it. This? No. The Glenn Beck Program. 